Hey everyone, welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons, and oh bugger, I didn't think of a BDSM pun. But anyways, <laughs> uh, um, it's usually the gimmick I go with. Yeah, uh, you know, yay consent? Yay consent. Yeah, there, I, I, there's I our pun for the Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to make a joke about consent because it's... No, I'm, I'm just saying yeah, it's a statement. I, don't think, I think that's our, our opening line. Yeah, I look, yeah, yay consent. I'll, look, I'll add that as, as the show's tagline from now on. Yay oh, consent. Great. Oh, did it. Yep. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. I'm Tom McGee. Uh, good night. <laughs> um, excellent. And you introduced yourself far better than I can. Um, Tom, you, you, as I said in the tweet, you run more tables than Excel. <laughs> That's the best. And I, got. I really hate Excel. So really, it was you, you gave me the win I've always wanted, but couldn't uh, gain any other way. So thank you. Excellent. Um, what what do you do? What do you run online? Yeah. So basically, uh, what, uh, what what happened to me to lead me to, the, to all this madness? Um, I'm currently running uh, five ongoing uh, tabletop RPG podcasts. Um, four of which, no, sorry, five of which are no, all of them are weekly. They're all weekly shows. Oh, you um, run five weekly podcasts. You run five weekly podcasts. Uh, they're all tabletop RPGs. They're all different systems. Um, and basically what it all started with, um, a couple of friends of mine were running a podcast network doing, uh, movie reviews cause they were, uh, two white comedians. So they're like, I guess we have to have a podcast. Um, and, uh, they invited me onto that and then they said, well, we kind of want to do a D and D show where we invite, uh, improvisers and comedians that we've worked with from, uh, around Toronto, which is where we're based in Canada, um, to come on the show and kind of see what it's like when you take comedians who really don't even necessarily care about Dungeons and Dragons and, uh, make them play uh and i was like all right yeah like i come from an improv background i was like sure like i think i can roll with that let's do that so we started that about uh two years ago and the show just kind of kept growing and growing growing it's very silly but it's also very heartfelt and our whole goal was um we'll have very very base jokes but we always want to make sure that there's heart and story and narrative and all that sort of stuff that that goes along with it um so it was going so well and we're having so much fun doing it that eventually we got to a point where we realized that our movie review podcast took about as much time as doing an evening of a tabletop RPG would take because between seeing the movie and talking about the movie and doing the pre-show and the post-show and all the Patreon stuff it was about six hours. So like, well, for six hours, we could just play a game. And if we don't edit it, that's four weeks worth of content. So basically we decided, uh, in a, a fit of, uh, slightly beer induced madness to run um, four new shows in the place of uh, this movie review podcast and basically take systems that either we'd always wanted to play or that we thought um, our listeners might be excited about or that were franchises we liked that had game systems attached to it um, and basically play one of those a week do our continue to do our Dungeons and Dragons show which is usually a weekend recording that's like 12 to 18 hours of us playing and then we edit it down to you know six hours of content um but basically yeah the idea was just like well what would happen if we just played uh around a table as as friends live once a week and then just release that as a month's worth of content uh because a lot of the feedback we were getting from our fans was the reason i listened to this is i wish i was playing dungeons and dragons right now and i like being at the table with you guys and obviously i'm not playing but i like the idea that i'm kind of getting to have that experience so we'd been agonizingly editing all the ums and errs and rules looks up. Like anytime we came up with a plan that didn't pay off narratively, we'd cut it. And then we realized, well, that's not necessarily what people want. People just kind of want to hang out and play a game. Yeah. So we can just chill out a bit. And uh, for 
uh, Dum Dums and Dragons, which is kind of our flagship, we still do edit it. But for the other ones, we're just kind of like, yeah, if if my uh, adorably yappy dog starts barking <clears throat> in the middle of it, that's just a thing that happens now. Um, so we launched that back in December, and yeah, it means that uh, every week I'm running a different system for uh, kind of a different party, uh, and that's going to be a month's worth of content. So I have to make sure it's got a nice arc and a nice flow and that it uh, connects. So we do um, Dum Dums and Dragons is a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast, uh, which is our kind of flagship, as I said. Uh, we do One Shots, which is a rotating uh, series of basically any game we just feel like kind of playing around with and seeing how it goes. Uh, it's almost a series of pilots. So kind of like, hey, do we like this one? Do we like these characters? Do people like these characters? Do we like this system? If not, we'll kind of toss it. If we like it, we'll keep it. Uh, we're doing Dumb Scum and Villainy, which is um, the uh, apparently now dead uh, Fantasy Flight uh, Edge of the Empire uh, Star mm. Wars tabletop RPG. Uh, we do HP uh, Dumbcraft, which is a Pulp Cthulhu show that's kind of about the Scooby-Doo crew accidentally solving a Cthulhu crime back in the day and then having to come back as adults to deal with ramifications. Uh, we've got Blood and Syrup, which is uh, Vampire the Masquerade, which is a game that I've always been kind of fascinated by from afar. Can, can uh, I ask about, briefly, um, yep. did, did you play the Bloodlines PC game? Yeah, so I've always wanted to. Uh, I bought it. I started playing it last Christmas, and then my laptop died. So I got like five minutes into it, and I was like, oh, what a great game. And then it was game over. (laughs) But that's it. Weirdly, I didn't know about the tabletop as much as I knew about Bloodlines. And it's always come up as kind of one of the great PC RPG games. And as a, a diehard Deus Ex like original Deus Ex fan, this was the other game that was always mentioned in that breath. So I was always kind of interested from afar, more so in the game than the RP system. But then once we started this stupid enterprise, I was like, well, I guess we can just run the game. <laughs> I, I, I do like the idea of the one-shots thing, because that is, um, like, from, from a production side of things, that's like firing bullets before you load up for, with a cannonball. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, although, a good, which is a good approach in life. The interesting in downside we're finding, though, so there, there's an advantage to it, which is, A, if the system doesn't work, you're absolutely right. We didn't waste all our powder on one shot that we didn't really want. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, it's a little bit harder to get people engaged because they know that these characters are only going to be around for a month. And um, part of my game with running all these shows is to make sure that we have a satisfying narrative arc regardless that no matter how long the show runs or who's involved that it's always a satisfying top to bottom so if we never get anything else you're never there's always going to be unanswered questions so we could build it out if we needed to but you're never left going oh i got you know part two of a trilogy <laughs> like i got the worst part of it and now or, it's or, gone or it's like when you go to a, uh, a bookstore and you see book three of seven and you think oh yeah, okay yeah, exactly great it's i wish like, oh, you had just... one and two and then you start the, the wheel of time in the middle. I'll get it, right? Um, um, so up till now, it's all been D&D uh, for one shots, largely because we were trying to cash in on the new books. So we did Eberron the day it came out. Uh, we bought the book in the morning. I built the module, and then we played it the next day. Uh, and we're working our way through Avernus. But after that, we're going to start rotating through systems. So we really will get a sense of whether people actually want to follow along with that. And we're using our core cast, so there, there's some continuity Um, And from a creative standpoint, it's a lot of fun because it means we really can dive into some systems that you actually don't really want to build a campaign around that are very fun for an evening, but you don't want to live in. Like we've got one 
that I haven't really announced, but I mean, uh, spoilers, I guess. Um, that's um, a powered by the apocalypse uh, system. So similar to Dungeon World, um, or if you're familiar with uh, the Adventure Zone, kind of their monster of the week. But it's called uh, Action Hero World. And it's just straight up, I've wanted to do a buddy cop RPG for a long time. And then I found there was a system built for that. So the game is you're in a Michael Bay movie. Go. Oh, God. And it's completely absurd. And I... it's, again... The kind of game you want to play for four hours, but not necessarily yeah, for four weeks. Yeah, because, I mean, th- look, there's only so much time you can spend at 11. 100%. And, absolutely. And, and, that t- and then it, it starts to actually kind of become really, really tedious. And you're like, oh, but we didn't we save the didn't we save the multiverse last week? Yeah, well, and this it's, time, it's why... Um, oh, um, shit. Yeah, well, it's why shows like 24 don't work past season one, where you're like, oh, wow, this guy's having a bad day, and he's got to solve all these things. They're like, cool, but what happens when it happens again? And you're like, wait, what? No, he... Oh, but, no. All right. But but all television has led me to believe that, you know, a, a, an insane American with a gun can solve all problems. As long as he yells hard enough. Ah. Uh, at least my understanding. As a Canadian, usually we just apologize more, and honestly, Kiefer Sutherland is one of ours who just ran amok, so... Is he? He is, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. He and uh, Donald Sutherland are, are two of our great exports. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are the systems. Um, yeah, those are all the ones we run. And uh, it's been a bit of a wild ride. But uh, yeah, so as a result, I'm now running five tables. Uh, I don't keep good notes. And uh, I'm always having panic attacks. And here we are. <laughs> Fun. Um, actually, that, that is one of the questions that the um, the Nat attack or at Rocket Nat Nat uh, uh, yes, did I want to know. Yes, she she wants to know what school of magic do you it, do you subscribe to in order to manage that level of insanity? Uh, the school of caffeine. And, it's a good school. I like uh, that school. The school of booze. It's a mix of the two, and I just kind of jump back and forth depending on where we are in the day. Excellent. But honestly, it's it really is just. Knowing, I mean, my, my argument's always been that I think good D&D planning boils down to story. So, um, ultimately, as long as I kind of know where the story's going, um, I can generally jam around it, which I think helps for all these different systems because I'm less worried about, are we rolling D20s, are we rolling D10s, are we rolling, like, the weird proprietary Star Wars dice, or are we just trying to get to XYZ point? And as long as I can get us there, I generally feel all right about it. So, um... But yeah, caffeine's usually good because we're often playing after a full work day, so it's it really is kind of a, all right, yeah. the day's done, and everyone's like, all right, have a good night, have fun. I'm like, no, I, you don't understand. <laughs> it's just beginning. <laughs> my day is not over, my friend. I have miles to go before I rest. I have a dungeon to master. <laughs> so many dungeons. <laughs> or a city. Yeah. Or a small town. Or a weird spaceship. I don't know. I'll read the book on the way yeah. home. <laughs> but, but also, I mean, it, um, like, I, I'm... I'm at two tables mm-hmm. that I run regularly. Now, they're both 5th edition. Um, I've been looking at doing other games like um, the Warhammer 40,000 ca- 40, yep. Rogue Traders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which looks, which looks like it's a D100 system. It looks very Cthulhu-ish. But it also, like, reading through, like, it kind of reads through like someone hadn't learned the lessons from things like 3.5 or 4th edition D&D. It's like, man, you really love rules. Well, and I think you're it's absolutely right. a lot right. of them. Mm. Like, I, so I played Warhammer all through high school, uh, 40K and Fantasy, and I love Warhammer, which, and um, I love that which, universe which, a lot. Which was your, um, 
What, what was your 40k army? Oh, army. I, I, I was uh, not cool enough to own several because uh, I didn't have anything else to spend money on. Uh, so I was a Dark Angels uh, and then eventually Orcs. And then my buddy sold off his uh, Imperial Guards, so I got Inquisitors. But really, Dark Angels and Orcs were kind of where my heart lived. How about uh, you? Were Dark you? Angels to say, all right, we're done. We're done. <laughs> So why I'm a son of Russ, my friend. Ah. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to either be a blood angel or a space wolf, and I'm mad about both. Um, well, look, if I had to pick between the blood angels, the dark angels, or the space wolves, I'll go with the guys with a bit of enthusiasm and a sense of humor. Thanks. Right, but like, what if we're really emo and moody and we wear robes over our armor? Oh, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, honestly, yeah, for me, it was, uh, yeah. it was a matter, I think, if I remember correctly, it was a matter of uh, I liked green, and the rule book was cheaper because I found it at a used bookstore. But no, I had a buddy that who played a, Space that's Wolves. That's an excellent reason. We, no, 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 uh, we no, took no, the piss the entire time we played. And honestly, for me, it's true of sports. It's true of um, tabletop games. Uh, I'd always rather play or cheer or anything if there's opposition. So, like, Warhammer was more fun for me because my one of my best friends was playing Space Wolves, so we argued all the time, and that made it more fun than if it was just like, oh, we're both ultramarines. Cool. <laughs> Neither Yay, of us bothered to think. Smurfs. Uh, so, I agree with you. We've actually... So, Ryan, who's uh, one of the regulars on the show, is one of the producers with me. He has wanted... He's a huge uh, 40K nerd, um, and he has always wanted to do Dark Heresy. But the rules are bananas. You're absolutely right. And I think my hypothesis on it, at least, is that they they didn't play 3.5. They didn't play D&D. They looked at the Warhammer rules and then went, well, how do we make an RPG about someone who's really cool but can get... Like, what are the rules you don't have here that we could make? Because those books are insane. Like, it's... It is. It's and, and it, unplayably... I mean, to my to my eye, I've tried to do it twice now. I'm just like, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I have a, um, a rule when it comes to board games, and I know this doesn't work for TTRPGs, but it, it's kind of my... And look, I know this is a stupid take, and I'm, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. But my, my one of my rules of thumb is, if your game requires more than one double-sided piece of A3 paper to explain the rules, you may need to start again, because you're a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Ryan and I were just talking about this today. Um because he, he, he made the, the that classic uh, gambit that a lot of uh, people who play RPGs do, which is like, I think maybe we could make a better one. I'm like, no, dude, it's it's a trap. <laughs> Don't do it. No, um, yeah, run. But, uh, although, although, that being said, if, if you want to do that kind of thing, um, I would say look at um, Grant Howard. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I, love his, I love his work. Yeah, well, I mean, so... The, the one I mean, we- I imagine he'd be an amazing guest to have on here one day. I mean, listen, Grant Howard, I know you're listening right now. And you've just been lurking in the shadows. I think you need to come on this podcast. I think as a friend of the podcast, you need to come on this podcast, Grant Howard. Hmm. If he isn't listening, I mean, we just wasted a couple minutes. But if he is, think it's of the right. victory. Um, but no, I know what you mean. Uh, I I got really excited about uh, Dungeon World, um, which is uh, which I mentioned a bit earlier. But it's um, one of the powered by the apocalypse systems because uh, it was started by guys who literally went, hey, we used to play a lot of D&D, but then we turned 20 and we realized we didn't have time anymore. We couldn't get people together. We couldn't do what we wanted to do. So how can we create a D&D-esque experience that you can just enjoy in a night from rolling up your characters to end of session? Um, and it's interesting because it's a limited system. You can't advance that much. Um, and there's a real hard wall on kind of where it goes. But the idea of just can we sit down and play a thing in a night, I think, is really exciting and really engaging, and yeah, I, to I your do point, like that. a much 
more pared down thing if you just kind of want to get in and get out as opposed to the really crunchy 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 rogue trader dark heresy all that sort of stuff that's just like oh well you got hit in the shoulder but where in the shoulder because <laughs> this is going to yeah, really change some shit for you stupid to me it's like who like i've, I've read the book and like i, I like the idea of playing in that universe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it once you realize it's idiotic and camp oh yeah it's great it's like i know let's make our ships with the stupidest and most overly complex school of design we've ever had in human history <laughs> gothic which dickhead thought that was a good idea listen i need a camera can you put it in a guy's skull do you just want a camera no it's got to be in a floating skull well all right i guess but Yes, I mean, sure. the machine must have spirit. It, where is its soul? It, I, go well, away. Honestly, the, the whole, it's so funny because there's a school, and it, I love fandoms like this and also systems like this where you can tell uh, there's sort of the Gavthorps of the world that are just like, I know, I know what we're doing here. Like, we're all on board. We all kind of get yes. what this is. Uh, and then there's the people who are like, no, in the dark future of humanity, there is only war. And you're like, oh, honey, no, that's not that's not the game, but, like, cool. Because um, for me, yeah. the whole thing is summed up by the fact that there's a rule for the orc army where for, like, ten points, uh, you can paint your model red, and it just means all of your vehicles that are red go one inch further on the board because the orcs just believe that's how it works. And I'm like, yeah, you get it. This is all magic, yeah. hand-wavy sci-fi. I, like, we don't need to get down to, like, how much do the bullets weigh? I can only carry ten. Like, no. You have a car that goes faster because an orc said it does. Shut up. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know how people don't see this universe and go, this is just intrinsically funny and stupid, and that's great. I think it depends on the way you come to that, that, that universe said, and then play in it. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's, it's, there's, the, there's it's the Zack very... Snyder movie of... Or tabletop yeah. RPGs, right? There's, like, there's also been some very, very legit commentary regarding the Imperium of Man. It's like, oh, they're just a bunch of space Hitlers. And it's like, yeah, they... Yes, they are. Because, well, yeah. Um, well, I can't really argue that down. Also, if you take it, I think, in the way it's intended, it's got a bit of that Starship Troopers vibe, which is... Uh, mm. Yeah, because we're humans, we're just going to side with humanity. And then you get into it and you're like... Oh, no. Because honestly, I mean, particularly in the Warhammer 40k universe, everyone's an asshole. There's no one who's nice. The Tau? Ish. <laughs> sort of. But they invented them halfway, like midstream. They're like, yeah. oh, shit. I guess we need heroes. Um, all right. Here's, uh, look, Steve Jobs and uh, Wozniak designed a bunch of dudes. They hang out with you now. They're called the Tau. Yeah. Enjoy. Drones are a thing now. Mm-hmm. So uh, here you go. Uh, but I mean, honestly, yeah, so, I, like, someone was watching a lot of anime, but I was okay with it. <laughs> well, but I mean, uh, Warhammer Fantasy plays the same way. Where the, uh, particularly like when I was playing, uh, I bought the the I guess fourth edition starter set, so I had a bunch of knights. So I was playing the Bretonians, and I was painting all sorts uh, of livery on them. Bretonians were just useless, just garbage, garbage army. Uh, everything costs a billion points, and they die real I fast. Was, I was playing before that. I was the edition before that one with the elves and the goblins. Oh, damn. Yeah, no, my, yeah. my buddy got into it with the lizard men, Bretonians, and he's like, hey, do you want to buy part? It was literally like a drug deal. It was like, you you want to play some Warhammer? I'm like, I don't know, man. This seems really expensive. He, was he's he like, opening his coat and like pulling yeah, out there was just Yeah, there were just minis. And I, I want to point out, I, I am Sprue wearing... after sprue, and you just had to pop them yeah. out and glue them. And he's like, hey, man, first unit's free. Speaking of magic, as we were before, we just had a question come in from Jeffrey Floyd asking, are you going to be implementing new magics into your campaign in dumb Run? Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, I guess Dunamancy and, and whatnot. Yeah. So we, um, 
I'm a- I, I have a hard and fast rule about this kind of thing. My, my rule to my players is you can use whatever you want. That's cool. Within reason. Yes. As long as you throw me a copy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for me, the, the system has always been... Um, I, I'll always particularly... And this is an interesting thing about podcast uh, tabletop versus tabletop tabletop um, that I found is that uh, a lot of things that are very fun to do when you're playing it aren't fun to listen to. Um, mm. Combat being the most blatant example, uh, which is unfortunate because obviously everyone loves combat. But um, if you think about the worst game of Dungeons & Dragons you've ever played, usually it's when there's too many people at the table or no one really knows what they want to do or doesn't really have any strong sense of, of what their character is. So every round of combat is like, all right, I run up to the orc and I, you know, I pull out my mother's dagger and he killed my mother and I, I stab him in the shoulder. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. Um, how about you, wizard? And they're like, all right, well, um, hmm. Hang on, I just gotta look at what I can do. So wait, where is everyone again? And you're like, oh god damn it! Like this is what are we doing here? I, I would say the I would say the worst game of D and D is the one where the dungeon master is an asshole. Oh, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Because um, yeah. the antagonist DM who's out to win. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here is my worst DM story. It was in high school because, of course, we're playing A D and D, the second edition, um, and in that. It's it's an overblown mess, not to mention Thacko, but Thacko was a mess. Oh, good old Thacko. Um, yeah. Um, but one of the skills in there was reading and writing. Now, the, the rule we always played with was, <laughs> if you can read and write, your player character can read and write, that's fine. Enter Dickhead, who, <laughs> when we were playing a, a dungeon crawl he'd put together, when we stopped for a long rest, was like, hey, can I see your character sheet? I said, yeah, um, sure, man, here you go. Oh, sorry, you, your, your wizard can't re-memorize the spells because you don't have read and write down as a skill. <laughs> cool, so where'd you hide his body? <laughs> Not the character. We did Yeah, yeah. We, we essentially told him that if he didn't stop that shit, we'd get up and walk away. Yeah, I mean, that's the right call. Um, and he's like, oh, fine, we'll, we'll play by your rules then, fine. It's like, no, we're, we're playing by the rules of not being an asshole. <laughs> Which he broke by having, you know, three level three characters try and fight a mind flayer. And in second edition, that's like, yeah, they're, um, they're not something that three level three players can kill. No, that's, yeah, that's madness. It's like, hey, stop this train with your hands. I'm like, I, I can't. <laughs> well, I could if I could reach the brake lever. <laughs> oh, See? I mean, I'm standing in go. front of it. I like, thanks. It. This is my Thacko. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I mean, uh, my, my DM philosophy has always been that uh, we're telling a cool story together and it's kind of my job to facilitate the good time of the table because if I do that, then that's the win as opposed to I killed you, tee hee hee, I'm the Riddler and you died. Uh, I think I, I've there, had there are definitely similar... tables where that's cool, and I think that's okay. Totally, yeah. And if you're playing a super crunchy table uh, and everyone's a min-max rules... And the thing is, like, I, I've got nothing against... I have a bunch of friends who are very, very rules-based, and I fully... Like, I respect the way they play it. Uh, they love that, at least to them arguing all the time, but whatever, that's their game. And um, again, I, I fully understand the idea of I'm going to read the rules so well that I can... Like, basically, it's two lawyers fighting. It's like, we both know the law well enough that we can battle each other on on those terms. Um, but for me, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I would argue that uh, I've always kind of come from the school of narrative trumps rules, because honestly, there are better board games, Warhammer being a perfect example. Like, if you want to play a board game with good combat, there's plenty. 
If you want to play a video game with better combat than D&D, there are plenty. If you want to tell a story, that's kind of the reason to come to the table and, and go. Because my... So, um, my my worst... Two worst DM experiences were both dear friends of mine, and one of them actually got me into the game. Um, but yeah, it's very much like one of them is a min-max guy, uh, and he's very good at rules, and his whole thing is he will come up with a single solution to a puzzle. Uh, and if you don't hit that specific solution, he will somehow find mm. a way to screw you. And for him, again, a lot of the fun is constructing this this kind of perfect puzzle box. But as a player, it's infuriating because you will come up with a very inventive... And I've, I've, I saw it happen both with plans I made and plans other people at the table made. We come up with a reasonable solution. And then he just spanks you for an hour. And he's like, ah, well, you know, if you've done... And then just listing off specific abilities we all have. It's like, oh, so... This was a game of if we all yell the correct word, we win. Uh, and then the other guy, it was a Star Wars game, and my thing was I was trying to play a uh, like a Splinter Cell, Sam Fisher style uh, Jedi who didn't want to be a Jedi. He's like, I don't want to use the Force. I use guns. Put away the Force. Uh-huh. I can run up walls now, and I use it for stealth. But like, done with the Force. Um, and then two other Jedi in the party. So we we're playing uh, the old Wizards, uh, like th- essentially three point five, but Star Wars which was like the mm. saga edition, I think they call it now. Um, so basically, uh, two Jedi in a hallway, 50 stormtroopers, they pull out their double-bladed lightsabers, go nuts. I run up behind one stormtrooper and I shoot him in the back of the head. And the guy's like, cool, roll for damage. I'm like, what? sorry, what? He's like, yeah, roll for damage. I'm like, okay, I do four damage. He's like, all right, he turns around and shoots you. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Didn't kill him with my coup de gras to an unsuspecting man who I dropped silently behind and shot point blank, but cool, let's go. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I disarm him. He's like, cool. He pulls out his sidearm. I'm like, cool, I disarm that. He's like, he pulls out his combat knife. I'm like, wicked, I disarm that. He's like, he pulls out his brass knuckles. I'm like, who is this stormtrooper? <laughs> I didn't realize that Jason Statham was a stormtrooper today. So I am literally just doing this stupid comedy routine with this one guy. They're murdering a hundred people in the hallway. And it was, again, to me, it was the DM pushing back on, we'll hear how the rules read. And not understanding that, based on the character, I had cleared with him in advance and said, look, my whole thing is, I've seen so many Jedi who are like, I'm a Jedi, I love it. And happily, like, the show's got there eventually with Star Wars, but I'm like, let me just be a guy who's like, "Ah, I'm really good at the Force, but I hate it. And he didn't. So I was like, all right, screw it, I'm a Sith Lord now, just lightning to everyone. I'm like, all right, this is what you get now. This is every mission. I'm like, oh, we need to make peace with this guy. I Force choke him, screw it. (laughs) You made me evil. And it was weirdly, he became the guy I blame for becoming a Sith Lord. And we only played twice. So That's fair. Yeah, anyway, lesson learned. No, I I think, think, um, well, I mean, I had a conversation with another fellow who said that the thing he didn't like about Fifth Ed is he wanted the freedom in a game to backflip behind someone grab them around the back of the neck, put a gun to their head, and and yell for a fight to end. And I said, look, I'd allow that. Oh, man, we do. So my players have made more unions and friends. They refuse to kill anyone, and it's exhausting. As a DM, it's a nightmare, because it just means I have 80 NPCs who were villains who were just supposed to die, who are now just like their friends on their airship. And I'm like, can you just kill them? Just knife this guy. He's a goblin. Well, no one cares. Tom, Tom, Tom. You're, 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 you're not seeing a, a, a chance here for your players to feel some emotions, Tom. Oh, I'm seeing that chance. Uh, in the Tom. first session we played, they Hinder found a bunch of wolves that were tied up. And they'd killed... They got in a fight with three... It was the, the Lost Mines of Fendelver, which is where we started yeah. our campaign. Uh, so they fight the three goblins on the road. 
and uh, one of them uh, basically spears a goblin, and like he's got him, like he's holding him, and the goblin is like panicking, and he's like, "Please don't kill me! Please don't kill me! I, I've got a dog. Someone's got to take care of my dog." And the player's like, "All right, what's his name?" And as a DM, I'm like, "Ah, oh, shit, I don't know." I'm like, uh, "Goblin Junior," and they're like, "Oh, that's kind of adorable. You you named your dog after your." species what the fuck and then um uh his buddy shot him in the back so this goblin died and then they were like well we gotta save this guy's dog so they get to the caves and there's all these wolves and one of them surely enough is named goblin jr and they adopted goblin jr who is now an npc who's basically a member of the team he's on all of our merchandise uh i've had to role play him as a voice he sounds like burt reynolds now it's a whole thing so no I, i'm not missing the opportunity i'm living the opportunity i gotta tell you it's pretty tiring <laughs> I don't know how many of these characters I would Hindenburg. Oh, man, I've, I've truly thought about it. But also, I now get threats yes, from people Tom. who listen to the show who are like, if you, it, I've literally, I've got a friend, Sky, who's like, if you hurt the dog, I will hurt you. <laughs> so now I'm just living in a that's world fair. of fear from my own creations. No, that, that, that's pretty fair. But pretty I fair. agree with you entirely. I think, um, generally speaking, and, and part of the reason I'm able to run all these tables is that I've read the rule books... I have like a 50% passing understanding of all the ones that aren't D&D and even D&D I'm running maybe a 70% understanding of all the rules but to me it's always the fiction like if you want to run up a wall and jump behind a guy and put a gun to his head that's awesome that's a really cool moment and frankly Mm. as a DM sitting at the table that's like I think that's fun I want to see that that's a more interesting sequence to me than I move okay I've got uh, this much movement all right I move three hexes and then I use my action to grapple that's my turn. I'd I, rather be like... I, I, have a, uh, I have a rule, which is, look, I'm okay with you ratcheting this up on the understanding that if you do it, I'm going to do it as well. 100%. Well, and that's... I, if I, you want to move this to 11, I can, find, I can find a 12. And honestly, but that, I think, to me, that's the healthy DM player give and take, which is... Yeah. It, we're, we're mutually telling a story. We're, we're telling the story together. So absolutely, if we're going to escalate what's going on, We'll both do it, and that will lead to a climactic thing. Because the other thing we don't yeah. want, and this is really one of the biggest problems with um, Vampire the Masquerade, is that when it was really popular, it was like Circa the Matrix, so everyone was just a leather coat-wearing, katana-wielding super ninja. So the games were just like, well, I'm Captain Badass, and I just killed 50 people. And you're like, all right. I'm, I'm really glad that people listening to this can't see the fact that I'm actually wearing my leather long coat today because it was raining. And Look, I, I may or may not have a bladed weapon at home but that my brother got for me one But are you one, one of the kindred? Uh, I mean, you can't answer that on air. That'll send the Inquisition after you. I've just been dealing... I dealt with this in a session let's, last let's night. Ju- let's just say I, I stay up late and I wear sunglasses everywhere. Does that answer the question? I believe so, yes. Okay, excellent. Very safe. <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was an interesting period in kind of that RP's life because around the Matrix, obviously like I obviously like, look at me. I obviously have a leather coat in my hanging in my closet. Um, but it became uh, in terms of wish fulfillment, it was everyone wanted to be Neo. So everyone just was Neo. And that kind of makes for a boring game if the DM doesn't rise to it because then it's just like, okay, you're just better than everyone. Like that's just the game. Yeah, wh- wh- where's the difficulty? I mean, surely a lot of what we get out of these things is, wow, that was a challenge, I feel pumped. Yeah, in, in, I mean, the, the big dirty secret, I think, from, from DM Town, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, is that sometimes it isn't. Like, it, we, we, because we're behind the, the, the screen and we know what's going on, like, we can 
kind of rig the the deck however we need to, but more importantly for me is that the players feel a sense of danger, the players feel a sense of consequence, and that at the end of every encounter, they're like, yeah, that was challenging and fun. Or if it wasn't challenging, that was a blast. Like, oh man, I can't believe we did that. And to my mind, everyone should have a shining moment. Like by the end of the session, every single person should walk away going, you know what? What it was awesome when you did this, and then someone else should be like, "And you did this," rather than because again, in terms of like bad experiences I've had, you know, I went and played uh, one shots for a weekend with some buds, and um, the one shining moment I had as a character was ruined by kind of rule crunchiness, and I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool." So the one time I get to shine is kind of ruined. So I really, I've kind of had a terrible time. I like hanging out with everyone. Obviously, it's nice to hang out with friends at a table. But as a player, I never got a moment where I went, oh, cool. I feel really good about my character and my place in this. I was like, all right, I guess I just should have read the rules better and then not eh. played a character, you know? I, I, am, I, I suspect I am the equivalent of your Ryan <laughs> or Tyler. And I have a Tyler as well because there's always that one player who wants to break either or both the DM and the game. I'm okay with this. I agree. Because I am usually that player in the table that I I get to be a player at, um, and, and I do and I do this by asking stupid things. The the, the most recent stupid thing was um, working with another wizard. Um, we we were fighting big demon things that were capable. I mean, okay, we're playing in a troop system where we have really high level characters and really low levels, mm, mm-hmm. and I was playing one of my low level characters, um, and myself and another wizard and this was my stupid idea and i own that um in order to occupy a demon for a round um i said look come with me i'll hold one end of this rope you hold the other end we both cast catapult at the same time now i i almost got a spit then and i'm very happy about that very good (laughs) thank you and so because the rules is written sir (laughs) are that the object flies a certain speed. And in this case, the object is the end of the rope. Right. And so, you know, my mental thing was, you know, the two ends fly out, wrap around the demon, then punch him in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the DM let that happen. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, each of you roll the dexterity rolls, make sure you get this at the same time. And so I was like... 18, like, look, technically under the rules is written, sir, as long as one, as long as half the party succeed on a team roll, technically we succeed. And the other guy got a 17, so I didn't have to bring that yeah, up, yeah. which is great. Um, but it worked, and he kind of looked at me like, all right, um, how do I do this? Oh, that is, sir, you are you are singing my life with your words. Uh, one of the, the kind of running gags on the show is... Um and we keep we we edit it, but we keep all these in. Is when I say I need to take a break because you just broke my brain, and I gotta go take a walk to figure out how to like un. Also, I, I should ask how how much profanity can I can I drop f bombs? We good with with? Um, with I, I will level with you. It's Australian PG, which is M anywhere else. Okay, so yeah, go great. for it. Yeah, I I just don't because I I don't use that word. I've, I've I'm running on a ten year record at the moment. Oh, spectacular! All right, well then I'll stick so. to screw. So uh, usually I'm like, okay, uh, you've completely screwed me in my plans. I need to go take a walk, um, and unscrew this for me, um, which is fun. But also I love that. Like as, as I play it up on on air because the other thing is knowing that we're playing for an audience changes things a bit. Uh, and we're all performers yes. and we're all hams, so we we're fully aware. 
that there is an audience listening to the show we're doing, which alters it a bit. So if I was just playing it uh, as a DM for friends in a, in a home campaign, I would likely be less salty about what's happening. Um, but on air, there's a lot of fun to this give and take. Because uh, absolutely, that sort of stuff happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, but also as a DM, uh, part of the fun for me is having to rise to that challenge. Because I don't really find uh, DM, and it's part of the reason I don't use modules very much, I don't find DMing out of a book very interesting. Um, if I have all the answers and your job is just to like break the answers, then we can't really tell an engaging story. But something like that, then the challenge for me is like, okay, well, how is this? That's, that's an amazing inventive solution to fighting this monster. What can a monster do if they've just been bowled by a magical rope, you know? Um, and it's his solution was to say the demon has to take a turn uh, of its full action to free itself from the yeah. rope, which was what we needed. Like we needed the breathing space. Totally. And I think that's entirely fair. And again, it's, it's, it's literally, it, it's, you know, the, if then thing, like if, a demon gets wrapped up in a rope, then the demon has to contend with the rope, which is totally mm. fair. As opposed to just saying, oh, the demon uses fire and the rope burns away. Like, that's boring. If you've done a cool thing, both as a DM and as a listener, I want to see how that plays out. And I mean, for me, what when, when all this really kicked off was um, a friend of ours, Brandon Hackett, was on the show playing an orc warlord named Little Pim Pim. Uh, and Little Pim Pim, uh, Brandon had never played D&D. He's a tremendously good improviser, sketch comedian, and writer. Um, so we were, he was fighting the boss, and uh, I had established, like, okay, this is the guy who, like, took, you used to be a warlord, but he took over your, your castle, killed all your friends. Like, he's an asshole, and you got to drop him. And um, Brandon, not really knowing the rules of D&D, but just kind of making fun choices, was like, well, I throw my sword at him. I was like, all right, he catches it. Like, he's he's a badass. We've established this. This guy is real scary. He's the boss. Like, whatever. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, the, the bad guy's coming at you with your sword in one hand and his sword in the other. What do you do? And he goes, I say, get him. And then the bees come out of the hilt. And we all just stopped and stared at him. And I was like, we've never talked this isn't a thing that was planned all everyone at the table was like oh my god have you guys talked about it? i was like no this is he just decided that How? his sword was full of bees but on the other hand i was sitting there going like oh man if i can live in a world where there's an orc warlord who carries around a sword full of bees in the off chance just the rare off chance that someone else gets that sword and he can sick bees on them that's the world I want to live in. And because it's D&D, we can just let that happen. So, you know what? Roll animal handling. Go for it. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I made him roll for it. He rolled well, and then the bees came out. And they didn't do much, but it was pretty funny. Um, and that whole session was that like... That uh, 20 that you've always been dreading, and you're like, oh, you ass. Well, they All actually... Right. Okay. They broke that whole... Like, that whole encounter was supposed to be a castle, and they were supposed to do this whole... It was part of the, um, the, the starter kit, so it was like the... At some point, you can go to like an orc castle that's broken down, and we got through this in um, one night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, no, no, no. It was a short session. It was two hours. Oh no! Did everybody die, or did you just win no. real hard? No. Um, okay. There is a letter that you can steal from a wizard in like an underground area. Uh, yes, you are no glass okay. staff. Yes, mm. and my character was a charlatan who had the forging ability. 
And so <laughs> I forged a letter in that handwriting saying, please give my associate, you know, you know, please, please give my associate, you know, whatever resource he needs. Sure, yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was something. And the DM's like, all right, we'll roll a forgery check. 23. He's like, okay, well, you got a letter. It's, it looks, re- it's, it's really the thing. We get to the front door and I show the letter to the first thing we find. This is the letter. And he's like, all right, roll deception. Do I get advantage? He goes, yeah, yeah you've earned advantage. Nat 20. You go through the castle and he takes you directly to the orc in charge. Yep. So. And everyone at the table's like, you piece of shit. You've taken the entirety of the dungeon crawl off us. I'm like, yeah, I did. Well, sir, uh, incidentally, that's pretty much what happened with us too. They got to the castle. They walked in. They heard a commotion coming from the kitchen. They, uh, I decided Gordon Ramsay was the goblin chef of this kitchen. They kidnapped him, murdered him, and then turned to all the goblins. They're like, hey, I heard him yelling at you. You guys okay? And I was like, well, I mean, I did establish he's been yelling at them for the last hour. They're like, no, not really. They're like, okay, we're going to start a union. You guys work for us now. And they're like, can you bake a goblin with a crossbow into a cake? And they're like, we can do that. And it was just me sitting there going like, oh no. So they literally baked a goblin into a cake with a crossbow and then delivered it to Clark and shot him in the head. I was like, nice. They still had to fight him and then the bees happened. But I was like, I guess we skipped the castle because I also don't want to watch you carry a cake through a castle. You came up with a better solution. It sucks that I prepped all this, but similarly, I would say the same sort of situation for you. You came up with a better solution than the puzzle, which was the castle. So why would we want to then watch the worst solution to your cool answer, you know? Yeah. And I think no, ultimately no, no. that's... I, I pay that. Yeah. That's kind of where all the, the weird improv stuff lives uh, for me and my troop, which is just if, if they come up with a better solution, I want to see that. Because uh, I'm also wearing my audience hat the whole time, just going like, if I was listening to this, what do I actually want to hear? Do I want to hear bees? Do I want to hear the, the rope captures the demon? Or do I want the demon to just wave it away because he's got cool stats um, yeah. no I think that's good and yeah. fun and legit um, now one last uh, little question it's, mm. it's something I've decided I, I need to bring in um, and, and this is something someone actually kind of this is another Nat related question mm-hmm. um, when it comes to DM self care <laughs> what, what, what do you do what do you need like, what, what actually helps you get, get through each session and, and um, be okay so the Weirdly, so I've got a, I came up through theater, so uh, I've written, produced, directed, acted, done kind of the the whole gambit, and uh, I've developed a really odd habit of backloading my stress, so uh, I tend to get very anxious and panicked after the thing is done, uh, which is completely insane, Um, but I've had stress dreams about plays I closed two years ago, uh, like this year. Um, so I weirdly, the, the biggest cost for me out of all of this is, um, the night I run a session, uh, that night's sleep is basically a write-off. It's just going to be terrible and I'm going to have weird dreams. Um, and I'm a little bit wrecked the next day. That said, I spent a bunch of years as a barista, so I'm just constantly mainlining coffee, which helps a bit. Um, but, uh, that's been the thing I've had to kind of balance the most. Um, and this was happily coming out of, uh, when we started Dum Dums and Dragons, we were recording at, uh, Ryan and his wife, Laura, who's one of our players. Uh, they had a condo kind of like, uh, I live sort of midtown Toronto. They were down, downtown Toronto. So I'd usually have like a really late night bus to get home. Um, Oof. which was 
always a nightmare. Everyone was like uh, drunk or high or dying, and it was just a ridiculous gong show. Or all three. Uh, yeah, honestly. Uh, but it also gave me usually about an hour to decompress. Um, and for me, I found the hardest piece was that because uh, I love story and I love meta narrative and I love overarching plots. And part of the reason that Dum Dums took off uh, is that I've always been weaving in these these hooks. So the minute a character gives me something, I'm like, amazing. That's like canon. And also we're going to use that now. Um, oh, you know, you, you mentioned that you grew up on a farm and the reason you're an adventurer is you just didn't want to have a boring life. Amazing. That's coming back forever now. Yeah. You want this goblin junior wolf? Cool. <laughs> He's part of the team now. Oh, you adopted him? Great. He's also got a voice. Like, let's so and so on and so forth. So what I was finding initially was I would leave these sessions so fired up about where the story could go. Because as you know, one of the great joys of DMing is you don't necessarily know how it's going to play out. You might have the module, but you don't know who's going to make it to the end of it. You don't know what choices they're going to make, who they're going to befriend, who they're going to make enemies of. So I'd walk away from all these sessions with my head on fire, just thinking about all these amazing places it could go. And it's weirdly become a process of decompressing that um, because that was really hard. That would keep me up. That would um, mm. eat my creative brain. So if I had to try and write the next day, that would I, I couldn't. It would eat all of the capacity I had for, for creativity because I was just pouring it into this. Weirdly, now that I'm running five shows, the exhaustion is obviously still there. Um, and we recorded last night and last night I had wildly strange dreams about recording that session, which was super weird. Um, but part of it is just, um, I've got some good meditation apps. Um, for me, I need a constant stream of good content. Um, I kind of feed off of what I'm watching or listening to, and that all helps inform what I run. So if I'm not watching or listening to or playing anything I like or reading anything I like at that time, it really poisons the sessions. I don't have as much in my sort of fuel tank as it were um, but I've been watching good stuff or engaging stuff or interesting stuff or even terrible stuff that I think is awful and I've been so bored that I just get to thinking about stuff that kind of gives me more so part of it is just feeding kind of the creative part of me by constantly consuming media um, and constantly reading and watching and listening to things and playing things it's one of those things where like I spent a lot of time playing video games and you know growing up my dad was always kind of like oh this is a waste of your time um, I spent the last year writing video games and he's like, eh, I guess I was wrong. Um, but so much of that feeds how I run sessions. Uh, honestly, my entire D&D &D, um, and actually all my RPG planning principles are just the Hitman games. I'm just like, the Hitman games established, here's a world where things are happening, you're going to disrupt it, go. And I'm like, cool. So if I'm planning a heist or anything else for a D&D &D game, Hitman's kind of my go-to. I'm like, I'm going to go play a level of Hitman where I get to ruin everything and that'll kind of refire me up on that. And then the other piece that's really strange with, and I'm sure you felt this in good sessions you've run or that you've been in, is there's nothing better than as a DM hearing that your players had a good time, um, which is great as a baseline. But then for it us, is. it's like that's the first level, and then the second level is our listeners. So um, Nat, um, James Quare, we've got a bunch of people who on, on Twitter who actively and aggressively talk about how much they love the show and what they're experiencing. And that basically, she just came to the show like last earlier this year. I mean, late last year, I guess. And she live tweeted her entire experience of the show. And she kept being like, hey, is this annoying? And I was like, no. Like, it's so nice to hear that this means something to someone and that you're enjoying it, that you're thinking, because we're thinking about these story beats all the time. And at the end of the day, if all that happened is we got to play cool D&D &D, that we had fun playing, that would be awesome. That would be enough. 
but because we're broadcasting it, knowing that people are enjoying it and engaging with it and and following it, and that there are like legitimately fans. I mean, what's weird is I've got a couple of people now listen to the show who know it better than I do, because in the running of these five shows, I can't listen to it anymore, which is also kind of awful in a different way. But they have. Yeah, they listened to it three times. Mean. So they're just like, oh, yeah, well, is, is it this person who came up in season one? And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even remember that guy. But, yeah, that should be the guy. Um, That's nice. Yeah. I, 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 I was having a shitty morning one morning, and I got a message from someone saying, hey, I love your Margrave playthrough. It's really helping me mm. run mine. And you could not count in seconds how amazingly my morning flipped from – I'm going to say something very disagreeable to someone who yep. I'm never going to see again in my life to, damn, dude, you just made my day. Well, and honestly, Thank you. like, I, I fully understand where you're coming from, too, because, like, it, it's also, as a DM, I think we're used to those experiences just disappearing, right? Like, they live for the time that you're doing them and for the people who are at the table. And one of the things I like most about tabletop RPGs is they become like a good adventure that we all had. The same way it's like, oh, remember that time like we all tried to go surfing and we kind of sucked at it in real life? It's like, oh, remember that time that you tried to, you know, punch Cthulhu and he ripped our friend in half? And then now we have half a friend who has, like, demon yeah, legs? That friend had it coming. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah, he should have known better. Um, but, yeah, it it is astonishing, and I, I don't... This this is something that I, I, I think I need to get better at communicating to the people who listen to these shows, is just how much... Um, that means because I know exactly what you mean. I've had days where, um, you know, my day job's been grinding me down. I'm like, I I feel like I've sacrificed all of my creative ability to do this this job that pays the bills. And then someone's like, Oh man, I can't believe this thing happened. And it really, you're absolutely right. It can completely turn your day around. Um, and that's pretty special. Yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, Tom, thank you. We we didn't answer all of Nat's questions. <laughs> Oh, um, that's all right. She knows where to find us. We're, we're, we're on oh, Twitter. Oh, okay, excellent. We can excellent. continue I the mean, conversation the, in the Twitterverse. Excellent. Because there, there was also the thing about poutine, which I've, I've heard is a very, very nice Canadian uh, thing. It, it is. It's disgusting but amazing. And the answer is that you can never have too much poutine, so it's a moot point. There, there, there is no limit. You just eat it until you feel disgusting but also happy. And that's the way to live. Um, everyone, right. thank you very much. Um, Tom, where can people find your madness? Yeah, so um, our website is uh, dumdumdice.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at dumdumdice, uh, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Or if you just want the D&D stuff uh, at, uh, I think it's D-D and D podcast. Just search Dum Dums and Dragons. We'll, we'll come up. Uh, we're on all the major podcast networks. Um, you can find all of our shows on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all that fun stuff. Uh, you can find me at, at McGeeTD, uh, M-C-G-E-E-T-D, uh, where I mostly retweet <laughs> things about D&D uh, and occasional uh, you know, puns that I find uh, amusing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, again, honestly, we're, we're having such a blast. And, I, and honestly, I, I want to thank you so much for, for having me on this. It's uh, oh, so rare you. to no, just get to, to unpack this stuff and to talk to other DMs. And it's always such a joy to hear what other DMs are, are, are doing and, and what your experience of playing it and working through it is. And it's been fun for me to unpack, but it's also been so lovely hearing kind of your experience of how, how you've done it. And I hope you get to also talk about that more on, on your own show, because I would love to interview you about it. You're, it sounds like you've, you've run some really fun, fun stuff. So this has been great. Thank well, you so much. We'll, we'll arrange your time, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, 
Excellent. Um, and, and my MacGuffin thing is, um, yeah, go check out um, Nerdy People Play D&D, which I bill as the most tautologically named uh, podcast on the internet. Um, I don't, but, you know. We, we have two campaigns on there and, and this as well, which one day will become an independent podcast when I get my logo done, which is going to be a very naughty one. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. Yes. There might be a whip. Um <laughs> Excellent. Everybody, thank you very much. Love yourselves and each other. Thank you. Cheers.